an apology to a local sports team, the Twins defy expectations, except at the trade deadline, bold Twins predictions, not-so-bold Vikings predictions, and the Wild get a new GM, this is episode one of Midweek Minnesota's Sports Ramble, a production of Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Midweek Minnesota's Music and Sports Rambles. I'm your host, Eric Ritland. I'm a journalist, songwriter, and commentator from the east side of St. Paul. I'm a writer and editor for Music in Minnesota, have released six albums and 80 piece since 2001, and founded blog and podcast Rambling On in 2012. I'm very excited to announce my latest project, Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad. Be happier, get smarter, and discover with the Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad podcast, which debuts on October 7th. Midweek Minnesota is the local portion of Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad, and includes both a music and sports segment. I'm previewing Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad in September by releasing weekly Midweek Minnesota music and sports rambles. For this episode of the Minnesota Sports Ramble podcast, I'll be talking with Peter Ripka, who has been a Wild and Twins analyst for Rambling On since 2012. Since that time, he's been podcast host and has written hundreds of articles, including his latest, which were a series on the last Minnesota Wild season. So enjoy this segment with Peter. Okay, so the Twins so far this year, your thoughts? Exceeding expectations would be the best. Yeah. Answer to that. We should actually probably start this with an apology segment from me, because I was more negative than probably any other sports commentator in the Twin Cities about the Twin season this year, because I thought that so many things had to go right, that there's no way that they all could, and that everyone had these high expectations that the Twins would never be able to fulfill. It's like... Nelson Cruz has to still be kicking at his old age. Crone and Scope have to do something. Sano and Buxton have to take that next leap. The starting rotation, which looked completely dismal, had to way overachieve. Same thing with the bullpen. But you know what? All those things happened. And it has to do with each of those players, well, most of them out kicking their coverage. Buxton and Sano, at least when Buxton isn't injured, are both finally coming into their own. And the Another facet of the whole thing was the good players from the last couple of years continuing to stay good. Polanco, your Polancos, your Keplers, your Rosarios. Well, all of those things that happened, just, and all of them did. It's really impressive. Not just staying good, taking a step. Mm-hmm. We're yep. proving that the flashes weren't mirages. Yep. And just looking now, this is going to be a dual polydazzle. <laughs> They've already surpassed the win total I gave in the last blog. Yeah, and I, I gave him less than you did. Yeah, because so. I said about 82-ish, sorry. 82, 83. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're so Sir Wonga-ing it <laughs> to drop every possible K-Fan bit that we can. <laughs> I went with the Apolidazzle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, Sir Wonga, you go with like, the Sawanga. <laughs> there, there's so many ways, like between Barrero and Common, there's so many different ways of <clears throat> saying the apology segment, basically. that Yeah. Covenant cleanup. Bro, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but with Homer PA. Speaking of Homer, that's a great segue. The Homers were something that I didn't see coming. Oh, I'm sorry. The Bombas. Yeah. No. 
Didn't see it. <laughs> didn't see it coming. Although with the base run, Homer, Jack, Dinger, Bomb, Dinger, Dong, Dong, are all acceptable. <laughs> Bomba is not. <laughs> it's just they're just trying a little too hard. I do like that Rosario came up with it, and it was kind of a off the cuff thing, but. I just can't stand those marketing campaigns when they're just so obvious. The one thing I loved about this twin season PR-wise going into it is that they didn't have a slogan. They didn't have a a, a a thing that they, like an idea for what they were going with their advertising. The commercials were just super psychedelic and random. It was awesome. Yeah. I was like, this is cool because it seems like they're being a little esoteric, but then... Halfway through the year, they have to start. Because they started the, to get good. So. Yeah, all the marketing campaigns. But every the facet, last good marketing campaign this get, team has had. Get to know them? Yeah. Yep. Was the get to know them. Or the piranhas. Because yeah. that was taking Ozzy Gian's words and spinning them in our favor. Taking anything from Ozzy Gian is fine by me. <laughs> I, always, I wanted him to be the Twins coach, but that, that he's definitely not as sabermetrically... Inclined as the right. Baal Dalai Lama. <laughs> right, the Baal Dalai Lama. <laughs> Since we're just going to keep ripping K-Fan bits. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> so, suffice it to say, the Twins have overachieved literally on every single level. Is there a single level? I mean, obviously they start out really hot, they kind of fell off for a little bit, and now they're kind of hitting their stride again. But is there any level of, of their pl- oh defense? Defense is definitely bad, but it's not as bad as expected. Really? Did it like? I mean, there's still it's a lot a... worse than last year, isn't it? No, it's about on par with last year. I guess I'm just used to everything going so well that the one thing that isn't going well is kind of glaring. Yeah, but I mean, there. I think the the rap on Scope was that he wasn't a very good defensive second baseman. Right. So you figured they'd backdress a little bit from. The three quarters of a season of Dozier and the platoon there last year. Uh, Polanco for a whole year. Mm -hmm. Where you're not sure what you're going to get out of him. Uh, The outfield defense has been good, minus a couple of random hiccups from Rosario or Jake Cave overrunning a bouncing ball. Cave? (laughs) He's not supposed to be an everyday player anyway. Thanks, Buxton. But their their outfield defense hasn't been bad. Marwin's yeah. been decent out there. Yeah, jack of all trades. And that's the nice thing about Marwin is that he can play every position competently. Yeah, he's like he's he wouldn't be a Gold Glove if he played at one position all the time. Right. But he can play every position competently. He's like Nick Punto on steroids. He, he's Nick Punto that can hit. Yeah. <laughs> or. Was it? No, not... Denny Hawking? <laughs> Hawking wasn't... No, their latest utility before... Arianza? Oh, wait, we still have him. Nunez. Oh, yeah, Nunez. Is he still playing for the Red Sox? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't think he's in the lineup tonight. He might be injured. He's getting old. Don't you mean last night? Yeah. <laughs> we're, recor- we're recording this the night before. Sorry, guys. This isn't live every time you listen to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's, it's those, those little things that have really spurred this team where they're not insufficient in any one facet, really. Right. They're not as flashy as the Astros or the Dodgers, 
but I feel like they're more spread out in how good they are across the entire team yeah. than those teams. Well, that's well, a couple nights ago, before they broke the home run record, when they were talking about uh, Seattle, who was the previous reign before last year's Yankees club passed them, where their lineup had two hitters over 40. Wow. Where the Twins have eight over 20. Wow. And if you think about that, that's one through eight in your lineup that have 20 home runs. And then Marwin is sitting there at 15. Right. So if he's in the everyday lineup, he's got 15. Buxton's got 12 or something like that. So if he stops running into walls, he'd have over 20. Yeah. So if you think they're... They're either tied with or one behind the major league record for players with 10 or more. Right. So, I mean, the lineup's good top to bottom. And it's not like they're like the Bronx Bombers of last year where they're hitting a ton of jacks, but every other at-bat's a strikeout. Right. Where they're still very low in the league in team strikeouts. That's that's improved from last year, right? Yes. Even Sanoa's gotten the, a lot better. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, even the quote-unquote strikeout king on this club right. isn't striking out nearly as often as he was last year. It seemed like every game was two or three. His plate discipline has gotten so good over the last month or two. Yeah, the... I'm consistently that, impressed. I'm, I actually like his plate discipline better than, say, Rosario's. It seems like he has a lot of at-bats where he swings at bad pitches early in a count. Rosario is... Not to compare him to... A future Hall of Famer, or maybe even he's already in the Hall of Fame, but Vlad Guerrero. Yeah. Where he could hit everything, mm-hmm. so he swung at everything. Right. I mean, the difference between... Like Astadio. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Astadio is the king of soft contact. <laughs> right. Where Vladdy was the king of hard contact. Yeah. He's he's still the only batter I could see take a ball off the dirt and hit it out, right. and one at his eyes and hit it out yeah. in the same game. <laughs> so cool that was kind of like a tony gwynn thing too right he could hit everything no matter where it was tony was more of a rod carew oh right, right. if you will where he, he could I was hit, so young when he was he playing. could hit anything to where they weren't right the the hit it where they ain't yeah philosophy i wonder how well they do today with the shifts you can shift them right that's what i you'd kinda, have to play them straight up kind of yeah. like there's been a couple of teams that have tried to shift Arise, who's been a surprise. Mr. Clutch, and I like to call him. He's He's got good plate discipline, good plate coverage, yep. and he can hit the ball everywhere. Yeah. So he's hard to shift, and a couple of times teams have shifted him, he's beaten the shift, yep. which just boggles my mind how a major league hitter can't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're taught... Or I thought that you were taught right from when you were very young playing baseball to try to hit them where the where the fielders you know hit them where they ain't like you said. You figure if you're a professional, you'd be able to do it every single time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, the Mauer was a prime example. He'd hit the ball where it was pitched. Right. If it's outside, go the other way. If it's inside, pull it down the line. Yeah. Or in Mauer's case, bounce it to second. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when there was a runner on first. Yeah. <laughs> Double play, Joe. But that was in his later years. But gall darn it, he always took that first pitch. Yeah. <laughs> he had such great discipline. 
I had a very popular tweet the night of his Hall of Fame induction. Not the most clever thing anyone has said, but that in honor of Joe Maurer, the Twins are going to not swing at every first pitch for the whole night. Yeah. (laughs) It was pretty good. I got kicked off of a Twins group for posting that on Facebook. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. I mean, as much as we ripped Joe, we we both acknowledge what he meant to this organization. I'm more of a Joe fan than most people are in general, and I know you are too. And, like, the the biggest criticism against him was the money thing. But if you take all the years where we weren't paying him anything for MVP years, it totally balances out. Yeah. I can't remember. One of the Mauer apologists on Twitter had a tweet about uh, if you average how much money he made, he he made a lot of money, but not an excessive amount to where he didn't deserve it. Yeah, his whole I mean, career. his... Those last couple years at the Dome, when he was still on his rookie deal. When he was on steroids? Yeah. <laughs> when when the M&M boys were something to be reckoned with. Crushing before, it. Before Justin's concussions. Before Joe's concussions. Yeah. Before Joe's health made him move from behind the plate. Right. I mean, that's the one thing a lot of people lose with Maurer is we tend to remember what's current. Right. We don't remember what was. We don't have the long view, so to speak. Yeah. Where by the time the Twins moved to target field and Joe moved from behind the plate, his health had gone the wrong direction so bad. I mean, not not the year before he retired. or So not his last season, the year right. before. He came out and said that he was having trouble seeing the ball during day games because of the concussions. Right. It's like... Well, go to a baseball game. Sit behind the plate. See if you can see a 95-mile-an-hour pitch. Right. And you don't have concussion symptoms. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Minnesota sports history is filled with a million what-ifs. But the what-ifs, as far as those Twins teams, if Maurer and Morneau could have stayed healthy, that we would have at least won a playoff series. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The what-if Torrey plays the ball on a hop against Oakland. In game one of that series, instead of diving for it and having it go over his head, that led to the winning run. But That was the most heartbreaking series. But Tori played... 90-year-old Frank Thomas beating <laughs> us up. It's like, come on. It was, it, it was flashbacks to when he was with the White Sox right. and Young. But it's, it's one Frank of Frank Thomas with a wheelchair going around the <laughs> bases. The Twins were the only team he could ever hit against. But that was one of those things. Tori was never going to play that ball in a hop. Torrey right. never played that ball not regular right. season, postseason. That's just the way he played. Maybe, maybe he's gotten to Buxton too much then. <laughs> no, because when Torrey would bounce off the wall, he'd pop back up and that, not miss two months. That is true. That <laughs> is true. Did you think the Twins did the right thing at the trade deadline? They they picked up Dyson and Romo for not much. A few mid level prospects. That was basically all they did. Correct. Yeah, that's. That's all they did, and with what was available to them, what was on the market, I would say they shored up one of their biggest concerns. Yeah. Where the starting pitching up until that point wasn't horrible. Right. It wasn't showing the trend that Pineda was going to be our best pitcher for a month. Right. Which nobody saw that coming. Burrios and Pineda and hope there's a tornado, as I like to say. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it, it's one of those things where they had to do something. 
and they did something, and they got quality right. guys. I mean, everybody frowns at the Dyson signing because he had an injury that he didn't disclose to his former team or his current team. <laughs> and he's come back since then and pitched really well. So Yeah, and Romo, everybody was, well, what what could he do? He's He's an aging veteran pitcher that doesn't throw nearly as hard as he has. And now you watch it and batters get a steady diet of sliders and they can't hit it. Yeah, he's... His personality is as good as his ability to pitch as well, so that's yeah. fun. <laughs> I think emotions were high after the Twins didn't go for a starting pitcher at the deadline, and I understand that just because this team is so stacked top to bottom that it really felt like if we really shore up all of our needs well, this could be a Super Bowl. Super Bowl, good grief. <laughs> I don't even call it the Super Bowl. I call it the big game. This could be a World Series contending team, and we're so close to where it was easy for fans and the commentary, and a lot of commentators around the cities weren't very happy about it either, could say, if we're this close, let's make a big move. Let's give up a big prospect, because our starting pitching, even though it had start, we had started the year and they had pitched really, really well, you had Perez, who was pitching out of his mind. Of course, Brios is just going to pitch well until August no matter what (laughs) notice I say until August and uh well Pineda was kind of coming back and uh Gibson of course is just like a wild card Gibson and Odorizzi were both Gibson was pitching a little better than I figured he would at the beginning of the year and he's fallen off Odorizzi started falling off a little bit I'm glad that he's coming back on but of course right after the trade deadline when they don't get a pitcher all of them start doing poorly which is just really funny but even though the stats for the whole year said that they were they had made an improvement, they were one of the better rotations in the league, if you took the the downturn that they were already heading towards in mind and how much the pitchers that we had were doing better than anticipated, you kind of could tell that there was going to be a falling off with some of them. And there was. And honestly, I would have given up a big prospect for one of the middling kind of starters just to shore that up and to give us a little bit more of a chance. And like people talk about Stroman going to the Mets and everyone was so surprised and they didn't even give up that much. If the twins had said, here's one of our top 10 prospects and a top 20 prospect before the Mets even offered them that odds are they would have done it because at least going by how little the Mets had to give up. I would have made. I would have at least attempted to make a splashy move for Bumgarner. Uh, Grinky wouldn't have come here if we would have promised him heaven. <laughs> but you know. Uh, but long story longer, I would have really liked to have seen them make one splashy move for a starter. But what got lost in that feeling, which I totally understood fans having, which I also felt myself, was the fact that we got the two best relievers available for practically nothing. Yeah, And that was our biggest concern. We shored it up, and sure enough, as the season has worn on, the bullpen, which was just a huge question mark, has now become a question mark that's not quite as bold. Yeah, <laughs> Still kind of a question mark, but it's better than it was. Uh, starting pitching, still kind of middling. You still don't know what you're going to get, especially now that Brios has fallen off. But the fact that the Red Sox didn't really do anything at the deadline, the Yankees didn't really do anything at the deadline, it kind of shows that teams weren't really willing to give up anything for a realistic price. Yeah. you got to keep that in mind, too. The the You mentioned the one team that, as, as irate as Twins fans were, 
the one fan base that should be even more so is the Yankees. Yeah, for sure. Because they came into Target Field and the Twins hit the shit out of their starting rotation. And they needed help. They knew they needed help. The Twins exposed them. Yep. And they didn't do anything. The only team that did anything in New York was the Mets. Yeah. And that was keeping Bumgarner and getting Stroman. Right. Well, no, keeping Syndergaard. Syndergaard, yeah. Right. Noah. Right. And it's it was one of those things like, and look at the pitchers that did move. The starters that did move. Of the names, Stroman, yeah, Stroman. from Toronto to the Mets. Yeah. Which, who knows if the Twins even knew he was on the market. Because it happened so quick. Right. It was like there wasn't really any rumblings or anything. And then there had been rumors about the Toronto pitching staff kind of being up for grabs. But but maybe that was why they didn't give, they didn't offer them something right away. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was Stroman to the Mets and everybody was confused. Right. And then Granke, who, like you said, wouldn't have come here if we would have promised them heaven. Right. So what is your ultimate prediction for the Twins this year now up to this point that you've seen them? They will win the division. Yeah, which... that's that's pretty much set. Unless, of course, you know you don't want to jinx them, but they'd really have to have an epic collapse, knock on cheap plastic. Yeah, with them now having what is conceivably a six and a half game lead, right? In the beginning of September, I mean they should win the division. <laughs> they uh, are a Minnesota team, though. As yeah, they say. I I would expect them to give. The Yankees, a good matchup in the divisional series. Uh, I'd much rather face the Yankees yeah, than me too. the Astros in the divisional series. Because the Astros are so far out in front in their division, they're going to be able to set up their rotation to whatever their liking is. And Verlander seems to be hitting peak with throwing a no-hitter the other night. Right. It's crazy. I think... But, then again, the Twins have also hit Granky well over the years. Yeah, for sure. I'll. I also predict they'll win the division. I think they'll at least, no matter who they play, they'll win a game or two in the playoffs. I think they could. I'm going to say it. If they play the Yankees, they'll beat the Yankees. I'm going to predict that. Once, once they get to the Astros, I'll just leave. I'll just leave it on a high note. They'll get to the playoffs and they'll beat the Yankees. That's as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> we'll have another podcast at some point before the end of that, right? Before, yeah, before the. Anything else would come to and pass, but I, that's what I'm going to predict. I'd say they have a really good chance at beating the Yankees in a playoff series. I mean, they showed that they can hang with them at Target Field. Now yeah. you get into those friendly confines of the new Yankee Stadium where you hit a pop-up and it's a home right. run. Yep. That's with, more conducive for the Twins for sure. Yeah. Switching gears from the Twins to the Vikings, since we're on a prediction roll here, what's your prediction for the Vikings season this year? I expect them to be a playoff bubble team. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten and six, eight and eight, somewhere right in there. Yeah. Uh, the offensive line is obviously the big question mark coming in. Yeah. Uh, Delvin Cook's health is yeah. also a big question mark coming in. Can he play a sixteen game schedule? Can the new system make Kirk Cousins better than he's ever been? Another question. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, can can Kirk Cousin win a primetime game? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's actually going to be one of the... We have the uh, probabilities, percentages and probabilities segment coming up, and there's one of those about Kirk Cousins in the NFL preview Minnesota Sports Ramble podcast that'll be coming up later in the week. That should be kind of fun. But but yeah, I, 
I pretty much completely agree. It's not very fun radio when the two hosts completely agree, but I was at I was at the fair last week and Paul Allen forced Paul Charchin to make his prediction and he said ten and six and they'd finish second place in the division to the Bears. I think that too. The the Bears are kind of a wild card to me. The whole NFC North is. It should be really fun to see. Yeah. Which Detroit Lions team shows up? The one that can go to the playoffs and lose, or the one that just loses? <laughs> right. <laughs> every team has weaknesses, and every team has has strengths. The Vikings have their defense, and the Vikings have their defense. No, just kidding. If Cook can stay healthy, if Thielen can play like the first half of last year rather than the second half, if Cousins can win a primetime game, if the new system works, but the offense is still a question mark, especially the offensive line, the Packers are just Aaron Rodgers and company, which you can win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and company, even if you don't really have much else. But the the rest of the team is as much of a question mark as the entire Lions teams always are. That's the thing yeah. with the Lions is that they might have the the most the most consistently good team across all of the areas of the team, but they're the Lions. Yeah, they'll <laughs> find a way. They'll find a way. And the Bears, of course, it's. Will Trubisky have uh, as good of a year as he did last year or take the next step? Their defense is great, and they have good pieces around Trubisky. But... And the, the question mark on the Bears' defense this year is, with losing Fangio, are dude, they the same defense? Dude, they have ha-ha Clinton Dix. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But, like, it's impossible to predict the NFC North with any amount of certainty because all of the teams have basically the same amount of talent just in different areas. Yeah. It'll be it'll be super fun. It's and one of the more one of the more fun years to watch the North in a while. Yeah. It should be a good division race. Yeah. What do you think of the Wilds new GM? I like the signing. Uh I was a fan of Garen's when he was in the league playing. Uh, what was his playing style? He was... It, he's a player that developed into a different player as his career went on. Early on in his career, he was the flashy sniper winger with right. a lot of talent. And as he got older and slower, he became more of the Mark Parrish style, right. if you will. Yeah. Park in front, get the garbage. Yeah. Like, even he said in his press conference or one of his interviews that I heard or read, I don't remember which one, that Sidney Crosby got him his paycheck when he worked in, when he played in Pittsburgh, because <laughs> all he had to do was go to the front of the net and watch Sid skate around with the puck and clean up the garbage. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he's definitely an improvement over Fenton. Yeah, he's... What the hell was wrong with Fenton? I, from the... What I've heard and everything with Fenton is he was not a people person. Yeah, that's he was, the big rap on him. Leopold knew him what as what he was with the Nashville organization when he was there as a scout. Yeah. And he was a good scout. He was not a good GM. Yeah. He didn't know how to manage people. And as a GM, as much as you are managing a hockey team, you're also managing the people that right. comprise that said hockey team. Yeah. And he just... Broke people the wrong way. I mean, when we're we're blessed in this city to have one of the best beat writers in the country cover our Lavelli team. Neal. Oh wait, no, you're talking hockey. <laughs> Rock <Okay>. sport. Okay. <laughs> Michael Russo. He's 
he's probably the best beat writer in the country because the nice thing with you, you don't you don't need to tell him that though because his ego is already big enough yeah that's the thing is it's not ego if you can back it up so yeah and that and it's it's one of those things where the website that he works for star tribune <laughs> not worked for well, wait he quit the snow we, we won't get into that bit. go ahead we all know about the wonders of the athletic uh 500k subscribers yeah the nice thing with the athletic is i get to read all these beat writers from across the country yeah that follow the teams uh jeremy rutherford and the st louis run to the cup that was a fun nice. read yeah and but reading all of them it's they're not as involved in the team as it seems like Russo is. Russo might as well be part of the front office. Right. I mean, there was... He's, he mentioned that a player or players called to ask him if they should sign here in free agency. Which he said on the radio that he said, I'm not going to be the reason you sign or not sign here. Right. Which... As a beat writer, you have to do that. You can't yeah. can't make the story about you. Right. But the... If you're a radio host, you want to make every story about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's that ego versus being able to back it up. Right. right? <laughs> uh, but when Fenton came in and butted heads with, I'll call him the main beat writer for the club, that you didn't realize something was wrong there. I mean, Garen... Signs his new deal, has breakfast with his family and Russo to give him an interview. That right there tells me what kind of person Garen is. Right. One that he brought his whole family into town. Right. For his press conference. Yeah. And two that he was still willing to meet with the beat writer to get to know the beat writer. Right. To you're gonna have to deal with him no matter yeah. what. I mean, you can try to keep everything in house. But everything springs a leak. Yeah. And just ask the White House. Yeah. <laughs> but he's going to find out stuff. And do you want him on your side or do you want him pissed at you? Right. That's your choice. All right. Well, now it's time for our award-winning segment, Percentages and Probabilities, where we find out the percentage chance something will happen or the probability between two different options. We only have one of each for this one because we're already running a little long here. So, Peter, which is more probable, the Twins winning a playoff series or another Byron Buxton injury because of a collision with the wall before the end of the year? I will say a Twins playoff series win. Yeah. Just because I don't think Buxton's going to be playing a lot leading up right. <laughs> to that point. Like, I try to make these a little more clever and a little more tough to make the decision like i did these with conan last year and he was like well i don't think either of those are gonna happen it's like well that's kind of the point you're supposed <laughs> to try to pick between two improbable things but i feel like it's somewhat probable the twins will win a playoff series and almost completely probable that buxton will get injured again so this one's easy for me i i think the twins will win a playoff series and buxton i i scoffed at the idea of trading him for what was it Syndergaard? they were asking for Syndergaard, yeah. but if he honestly says, which he has, I'm not going to change the way that I play. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep throwing my body out there with reckless abandon. What's the? How, what does it matter if you have Babe Ruth if he's injured the whole time? If you have the best player in the league, it doesn't matter if he's injured. So if that's his attitude, honestly, I would have shipped him out there. If, if, especially if they would have given him, a, if they would have done the deal straight up, which they probably wouldn't have. But 
Uh, I, I definitely would have taken that more seriously in hindsight than I than I thought at the time. Yeah, and the the thing with Buxton is he can keep playing the way he plays. He just needs to learn how to run into the wall. As odd as that sounds. Right, right. I, I get that. I mean, to, like you said earlier, Tori was able to do it. Yeah, Kirby. Oh, Kirby, for sure. He had a little bit more padding, but that's, that's the problem is that right, Buxton's frame is really, he's not thin. He's a, he's a big muscular guy, but he's not like thick yeah. to where his body can handle it he hasn't, as much. He hasn't filled out. If right. he does the same thing this offseason as he did last offseason where he added 20 pounds away or whatever. Right. If he adds another 20 pounds of weight this offseason, I think he'll be healthier. Yeah. I mean, and not all of his injuries this year were because of running into a wall. Right. I mean, what are the odds are that you dive for a ball and you just happen to land the right way where your chin hits the ground? Right. Or you fall a ball off the top of your foot and break a bone. Right. All right. That was our probability now percentages, or percentage, since there's only one of them this time. The percentage chance that Jose Barrios wins a playoff start... The way he's trending now, I would say 30 to 40% maybe. Yeah, I was going to say 40, and I almost feel like that's generous. Yeah. Especially it, if he's pitching at Yankee Stadium, he won't make it out of the first inning. Yeah, and it's... There's going to be lots of bombas. For the other guys. <laughs> right. Maybe they're not bombas if it's the Yankees. Oh, they're bombs. The they're bronze bombs. bombs. Oh, that's true, that's true. <laughs> So, yeah, I would say 40%, just because, like you said, he's trending down, and he's trending down against teams that aren't very good. But I can imagine if he's if he's had a lot of rest, which I'm sure he will before the playoffs start, and I guess this will be a good chance to see how well he plays under pressure, because he's never had that big spot start. And since he never has, we don't know if the adrenaline will affect him in a positive way, and he'll really be focused, or if it'll derail him even more and throw him off to even more of a degree and make his pitching even worse than it's been lately. It'll be really interesting to see. I'm I'm excited for it. Hopefully not putting the cart before the horse. Like The Twins will at least make the playoffs knock on cheap plastic. <laughs> and I think that that percentage could very well go up if they get him the rest. And yeah. it is a matter of rest and wearing out towards the end of the year. And it's yeah. not a underlying issue i mean statistically his whole career he's fallen off in august and september yeah so that would tell me that he doesn't have the longevity for the whole season so getting him some rest going into the playoffs could change that right all right dude that was pretty good peter ripka the minnesota sports ramble thanks for sitting down with me look forward to this more and more every wednesday minnesota sports ramble for midweek minnesota thanks a lot man no problem it was a pleasure being here and i look forward to more Thank you for listening to this Sports Ramble segment of Midweek Minnesota. For more of my sports commentary, visit at MN Sports Ramble on Twitter. We have a really fun, engaged audience on there, and I'd love for you to join the discussion. Also, of course, remember to mark your calendars for Monday, October 7th, the launch of the Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.